so this week, we had uh, the privilege and pleasure of watching the political debates take place. And some of you were like, yes, that was so good. And some of you were like, we're all going to die, right? <laughs> I think that's the general consensus. Like, either way this thing goes, we are in a mess. I don't know. And, and so when we sing songs like, you are high above it all, I kind of have this picture in my head that God is above all of that that we know as our political system and all of the fear and all the anxiety and all of the worry. And he's looking at us going, I've got this. Don't worry. Now, there's been times in my life where I feel like, no, 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 this is definitely the will of God. And there are moments like now where I'm kind of like, we are all God's children, and please say you're still driving the car. But whatever case we find ourselves in, whether it's hopefulness or hopelessness or fright and anxiety, whatever position we find ourselves in, I want us to remember as a church that there is one person that we serve. And there is one name that is above all other names. And there is one who is greater than everything, both our worry, anxiety, stress, and pleasure. And his name is Jesus. And Hebrews is a timely book for us to be looking at because that was the tone for which it was written, is to remind people that there is one who is high above it all. I don't know if you've had much chance to read Hebrews or taken the time to go through and really go verse by verse and study it, but for the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews. And uh, it, it will string out a little bit. We'll probably take a couple breaks and chop it up a little bit uh, just so we can get some things. Uh, I have a couple things pointed toward Thanksgiving and that kind of stuff prepared. But, but really, we're going to take the book of Hebrews and just study it through because really, as, as we're looking ahead... And as we're recognizing that big elections are coming and, and we're recognizing that we're coming to the close of a year, sometimes it's important for us to remember what this is all about. So Hebrews was written to the Hebrews, like the children of Israel, God's chosen people. This was a, a letter written to them specifically for the purpose of reminding them what this is all about. Because just like us, and just like anyone else, once we think we know the story, we think we know the song, we think we know the tune, we think we know what's coming next, we kind of take our foot off the gas and start to coast in life. My brother is a worship pastor. And if I might say so, he's incredibly gifted. The guy, he's a producer, and he writes music, and sometimes he's even, he even scores uh, music that they play in the background of, like, commercials or those kind of things. Like, it's pretty cool. Like, the guy's, like, super, super gifted. But I remember talking to my brother Jared uh, at one point as he was uh, just starting his ministry and leading worship. And he said, Jeff, I, I, I feel like I can be so creative and, and so use so many of the gifts God's given me every time I'm leading in worship. And, and I feel like God requires that we renew and refresh as often as we can 
through worship. And I thought, well, that's cool. I like that idea. And he said, but there's one thing that I've found that's really kind of sparked my interest. He said, you know, everybody likes to sing a song that they know. But the hard part of it is, is when we first hear that song, man, the words just hit us like so incredibly deep. There's a song called Oceans by Hillsong. It's the number one most sold, most played, most listened to, and most sung song in the Christian world, in the history of the world, currently. Crazy. Now, I would say the internet has a lot to do with that. There's a lot. Of, but, but I remember the first time I heard Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever. Right? Like, like he's, he's calling me. And I remember hearing that for the first time. And I was like, oh. one, Tyus Smith sounds like an angel. Right? Like if you've ever heard this, oh. Like, it's phenomenal what comes out of her. But then the second thing is I just remember my, it was a physical reaction to what I was hearing. Like, the words were so powerful. The other day I was driving along in my car. Song comes on at the big build, and I found myself leaning over to my radio, and boop, I hit to the next station. And then I kind of felt guilty. Like, oh no, I turned off like the Jesus song, Right? But for me, this freshness, this newness, this thing that had inspired me, I know the song now. I've sung it about 487,000 times. I've had the moment. I've done the thing. I've been the place. I've gone there, kind of got the shirt and seen it all, right? And we're now we're moved on to something else. My brother was explaining kind of that phenomenon. He said, I was, I was leading a song that everybody was singing in church, and I realized that people were kind of just like glazing over and zoning out. And he said, so now here's what I do. He says, I write songs and I, I change even the, the standard songs and the songs that we've been doing in the church. We'll do them three or four times the same way. And then I somehow change the arrangement in every song we do. And I thought, oh man, that's incredibly difficult. But of course, I'm not a music, musical savant, right? And so he's, he's telling me like, here's what I do. I flip it around. I change it. I do this, or I put a different rhythm to it. Why? Because it makes people go back and go, wow, hold on. Do I really know this song? And they re-engage. And then we had kind of a debate or not a debate, but more of a discussion about our spiritual life and how that happens so often. Like you wake up in the morning and you start your day and you get things going on and it's kind of like, yeah, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Woo, woo, woo. Right. And we kind of do our thing. We kind of go with the rhythm. We know how it's going to go. We've been there. We've done that. We've seen that thing. Until something rocks our sensibilities. Until something causes us to see it a different way. So the other day, on the way to school, taking my kids to uh, Central Valley Christian School, and we have high school, junior high, elementary, where they're all on all three campuses, and it's super cool to drop them all and do your thing. And I like to take my kids to school in the morning. And I realize I hit uh, where I would normally turn, and there's a huge traffic jam at the intersection of Caldwell and Acres. And all I knew was there was more police cars and more sirens than I had seen congregated in one space in a very long time. 
One of the things that in our house, what we do right now and did that morning was as soon as we recognize there's been an accident, there's been a tragedy, there's been something, we stop and we just pray. I don't pray these long, oh dear God, get out of the car, raise your hands, fire drill, nothing like that. But just we say, God, whatever those people who are involved are going through, be with them. Whatever the officers, the paramedics, the what, whoever, that, that you would give them wisdom and protect them and guide them. Right? In that moment on our way, and as we pass through the intersection, seeing the, the pieces and bits of a, two motorcycle police officers had clipped vehicles with one another on a way to go and help somebody out, and it was a very bad scene, according to the reports. But just recognizing that in that moment, people's lives had been changed. For me, it was a reminder that there will be moments where God takes us and says, remember who I am. Remember, this isn't just a daily rhythm thing. Remember, there's so much more to this and so much more at stake. For us, that was a big wake-up this week. For the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, serving God had become just the way of life. It's what we do. It's our tradition. It's our way. It's our thing. It's, it's who we are. We know we're God's chosen people. And so we do these things on these days and this way and this pattern. And then Christ came and he brings a new salvation that's open to all which is totally different than the way it had been before. And yet what happened was these people who had held this salvation as the elect of God, the Hebrews, the children of Israel, what they did is they received Christ, love God, take on Christ. Yes, we will turn and we will follow Christ as as the Son of God. They they made that conscious decision and they, they made that willful leap to say this is where God is taking us But then they did just as so many of us do. And what they had done for generations, they started to break it down to a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws and a bunch of rhythms. And it no longer took on the face of a relationship with the living God as Jesus Christ, our Savior. But it just became another thing that we do. And so, the writer of Hebrews calls out to this grouping of people, elect of God, set apart from the very beginning, and he begins to call out to them in language that they can understand. Things specific to them that they would recall through the first five books of the Bible and the Psalms of King David. And he begins to say things like, Jesus is greater than. And he put names to those things. The book of Hebrews is a book of the greater things. And it's important to us, and it's, it's timely to us now, because I believe that we need to be reminded of the greater things. That Jesus is greater than any election, than any big trip, than than anything both feared and loved, that He is greater. 
And so as we look into the text of the Scripture, and we start that tonight, I pray that you would hear and see it from that direction. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of Hebrews. And I'm going to go and I'm going to break it down just a little bit as we go. It says this, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. So I'm going to stop right there. Verse 1, in time past or in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. Communication is kind of the bedrock of a community. So you don't have a community of people gathered unless you have communication. One of the things that happens here is we have a bunch of ministry teams that serve together. The people who greeted you in the parking lot serve together. The people who welcomed you as you came in. The people who prepare your food, they serve together. The people who serve on the team up here. There's a bunch of different teams. The the student ministry team, the ladies ministry team. There's lots of things going on there. But without communication, there is no community. And, and so it's important for us to understand communication is huge. But, but so many of us realize that communication is a lot more than just the words we say to one another. I learned that in probably the first uh, few minutes of my marriage. Right? Because you don't just say something, there's usually something behind it. Right? So you can say the dinner's good. Well, what do you mean by that? You can say I love you, but Cindy is always asking me, well, why do you love me? What do you love? And I'm thinking, you weren't supposed to go that deep on this moment, right? Because there are things that are very important for us to communicate more than just words. And Cindy would point out, I use words a lot. And in my life, words, while meaningful, please listen to everything I have to say, but while words mean a lot, man, I can craft words to say a lot of different things. But sometimes the most meaningful things when I'm talking to my wife or my three daughters are the things I don't say, but the things that I do. So very important. And maybe it's not even the the things that you do or the things you say, but it's the way that you're communicating. Maybe it's the body language that goes along with it. Maybe it's the way and the moment in which you choose to say it. So I learned that I don't talk about our necessity of a diet program when we're headed back home from down south Thanksgiving vacation. Just after we've splurged on a big time, I don't make that comment anymore because then all of a sudden it's like, so what are you saying about us, right? Because I'm saying a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more being communicated. And we know that. So what do we do? So how do we communicate? Well, one of the things that I've learned is I try to do a lot of things that don't require talking. I want to just show up and be at the right places at the right time. Sometimes being present is enough. Sometimes having accomplished some things you said you were going to do is enough. I learned that if I tell my wife or my kids I'm going to do something, 
It means a whole lot more to them if I actually do it versus telling them, but you know dad loves you, or you know I love you, honey. Because words only take us so far. And one of the things the writers of Hebrews, writer of Hebrews was pointing out is God has been speaking to us and he's used all kinds of methods in the past. Like this is not a new thing. I want you to stop and think, people, Hebrews, Israelites, is what he's saying. And remember that God has been screaming at us and it's been in more than just his words. It's been in his rescue. It's been in his faithfulness. Yes, there have been prophets and people who've come along and spoken the Word of God, but there have also been moments that you have to recognize that you have been protected and cared for. Just last night, standing out by the fire after they had cleaned up from the event, talking to one of the ladies about the the literal rescue and the literal hand of God that they can see on her husband's life by, by being spared from things that should have taken his life. We have to recognize that God has been speaking. That God has been screaming out to us. Again, my own personal experience and something we did this week, we watched the movie God's Not Dead 2. If you haven't seen either one of them, they're very good. They're very, uh, I mean, it's very well done. So it's not your typical cheesy kind of a deal, I would say. And then one of the things, they find this guy, and he's received Christ, much to the sadness of his family, and they've disowned him. And he's trying to explain to his dad, who's very upset with him, that he's following Christ now. He's trying to explain, but dad, everywhere I look, it's evident that God is calling me, and he is alive, and he is active, and I have no choice but to follow him. The writer of Hebrews, in the very opening statement, says, God has been calling us through voice and through deeds for so long. Now let's not forget that. And as he goes, he says, and in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. And for a lot of people that talk about the Bible and talk about, you know, the end times and all that kind of stuff, I want to clarify for you This way, this end times, at these last days, it's not necessarily specifically saying like, you know, you've got 14 days left kind of a thing. What it's saying is there was an origination of the Word of God and the covenant of God. And it's been followed up by the life of Christ. And he's saying there's nothing coming after Christ because He is the salvation. He is the work you've been waiting for. So if you're looking for a third way or a fourth way or a fifth way, you're not going to find it. And there are some sects of people around that would say, oh, but I've heard another voice or I've heard another teaching and I've heard another way. And he says, no, 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 no. These are the last days. Like since Christ, there will be no other revelation there. There will only be the act of God and the retrieval of his people back to him. And so he's reminding Don't keep looking for something else. Jesus was it. This is the thing that the prophets were speaking of. This is the thing that through various ways we've been hearing this message. Verse 3 says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. 
And when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. And this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name of God, the name God gave him is greater than their names. One of the first places that the Hebrews had decided to um, connect with is still one of the places that a lot of people in our world, in our society, connect with deity, and that would be the work of angels. Now, it's funny to me that in a world that likes to kind of speak against the acts of God in their lives or, or kind of defy God, we all love angels, right? It's, it, well, whether the, the tiny little pudgy baby ones that shoot arrows on Valentine's Day or they're the big violent ones that come and protect us or they're the ones like, I knew there was an angel by my bed in the middle of the night, whatever those kind of things. But everybody seems to, like their mind automatically goes to these powerful angels that are out there. So the writer of Hebrews says, hey, it's not a new thing for people to be enamored by the idea of angels in the outfield, or angels protecting you, or angels watching over you. But let's remember that Christ himself is greater than the angels. In verse 5 it says, For God never said to an angel what he said to Jesus, You are my son. Today I've come to be your father, become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And those are quotations from Old Testament Scripture that the, the Hebrews would have totally understood, would have totally known where those came from. And even following it up with it says, and, he brought, uh, and when he brought his supreme or firstborn son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. And again, that's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 32. And it's taking both the current context of saying, remember who is greater, and taking them back to texts that they would have heard and known, and drawing people back in. And then he goes to the Psalms. He says, regarding the angels, he says, He sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the sun, he says this, and this is from the Psalm. The writer of Psalm would have penned this in the voice of God. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to his son, again, a reference back to the psalm, where it says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing, you will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of His angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And He ends in verse 14 saying, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation i start here because this is where the text starts i start here because sometimes we need a reminder that even the the biggest and brightest and most flashy things 
associated with our faith in God don't even come close to the power of the presence of Jesus Christ. I'll be honest, there are a lot of things in this world that freak me out. I don't live this healthy existence of, like, I'm just trusting in the Lord and He's got it all covered. I have as much of a battle as anybody else with anxiety or stress or struggle. But there's something that continues to come back to my heart and my life and my mind. It's texts like this that reminds me that Jesus is high above it all. That God's plan and purpose is higher than our understanding and our knowledge and our ability. See, there's this, this concept of, they call it dualism. Where there's like good and bad, like the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other in the commercials or cartoons. And they're fighting each other. And that it's a bloody battle and that one's going to win. And I like the idea of that, that there's this tension out there. But it's really not like that. Let me, let me just help you understand. Yes, there is an enemy. There is Satan. There is darkness. And it's out there. But it is not the kind of battle that you and I would consider it to be a battle. Because the Word says this, when Jesus steps into the situation, all darkness has to go away. When Christ was in the tomb and buried and dead, it wasn't as if He was straining with the sweat of His brow to pull Himself out of hell. No, it was a singular act. And when God looks at my life, and He looks at your life, and He looks at our world, it's not that He goes, oh, I hope I can win this battle today. No, He says, as soon as I speak the Word, it's going to be on and done. Because we serve a God who is the ultimate authority. He is high above it all. There is no question of that. And whether he will step in or not, that is up to him. But when he moves, everything changes, no questions asked. That's the God I serve. That's the Savior that's rescued us. Yes, when Jesus was going to the cross, was he stressed? Yes. There was a human side to him. There was a humanity that said, I don't want to have to endure this. But there was also that deity side that said, but if this is what's going to happen, I know that you are in control. And so when we pray for people, we don't pray that God would begin working on their behalf, that, that if you know the struggle could be won by God. No, what we pray is God right here, right now, speak peace and hope and rest and wholeness. God, would you intervene? Because if you just would show yourself and reveal yourself, it would, if it would be your will, all of this would be resolved in moments. That's the God we serve. So when we serve a God that we have a picture in our head that He's kind of like duking it out, 
You know, there's this song from way back in the day, and some of you who uh, grew up in my era or before, uh, there was this singer, his name was Carmen. He was bomb. He had a cool Italian fro, right? And he had this song called The Champion, and I think everyone did like a human, you know, video or something to that at some point. He's like, The Champion, right? And it was awesome, but it was kind of like that Jesus was in the boxing ring with Satan, and they were just going at it, and he knocked him down, and they came back. And that's kind of the picture that a lot of people have in their head about the work of God on the earth. Here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. As you will see in Hebrews, it's not what the truth is. The truth is, we serve a God that allows things to happen, and I don't understand why. That, for whatever reason, has given us free will and choice, and I don't understand that either. But when He walks into the room, everything changes. When he intervenes, everything changes. It says, even at the mention of his name, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he is God. And so in your week, this week, in your desire to serve God with all of your life, as you go from this place, I want to remind you that Jesus is greater. And not only is He greater, but He is greatest. High above your biggest stress. High above your deepest worry. High above your greatest concern. High above your deepest pains. He is high above it all. And His name is Jesus. And His joy is His church. And His, his desire is to bring you home and to bring all of us home. So here's my thought to leave you with tonight. It's important that we don't just believe that Jesus is God, but that we live out the truth of who He is by obeying His commands. And not boil it down to a system of rules and regulations, but truly surrender to His presence in our lives. So I want to pray with you tonight. God, we come before You and we thank You for the opportunity to see in Your Word where You've been at work, where You've done things, where You've been active. I thank You that You're greater than everything. That You're greater than the angels. Then You're greater than the prophets. Then You're greater than all the miracles that have taken place. That You are the originator. That You are the one true God. That there is none above You. Father, I want to thank You for Your power and Your presence even when we don't recognize it. Father, I thank you that even though I don't understand where our government or our world is headed, you're not surprised. And you're not worried. And you're not stressed. But that you have things in control. And so we trust that you are God and you are in control. 
God, in the places in our lives where you desire to work, would we open the door and freely surrender our lives to you? In the places where we're stressed and anxious and frustrated, would we recognize that you are greater? And Father, where so much of our faith can easily become habit or ritual, would you remind us that you are greater and you deserve to be praised afresh and anew every single day? If you're here tonight and you have never made the choice or, or called on the name of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never made the choice that, that you agree and that you find God to be the one true God and you want to serve Him all the days of your life, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that just while we're not looking around and there's nothing big happening in the moment. What I'd like you to do is, if you're in that place where you're saying, you know what, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I, I can hear that He's greater, and I, something about that is striking a chord with me. If that's your place, and if that's your heart tonight, then here's what we do. is In the next few moments, you're going to have a moment just on your own to pray. And to say, God, You are the one true God. And I've done a lot of things that are against Your will and Your plan. And I need Your salvation. And I want to receive the gift of your Son as the cover to all of my sins. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. That's the extent of it. And maybe you've prayed that prayer, but here just being reminded that our faith is not ritual, that it's active and it's alive and it's something that must be played out. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe your prayer looks more like, Father, I want to surrender back to you again. I want to go back to the former things, the, the passion that I had when I first heard that song, when I first prayed that prayer, that, that full compassion that I had when you first called me home. Maybe you're feeling good. Maybe all of this makes total sense to you, then my prayer would be, would you be crying out the names of those that God has on your heart who need to come home as well? But in these next few moments, without me talking, without anybody else praying, it's between you and Him. Whatever place you find yourself, let's take a moment just before God to respond to Him because He is greater. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank You for Your faithfulness tonight and Your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us to close our service tonight? So the goal is that you leave here encouraged and equipped to go out and be the people that God's called you to be this week. Um,
There's a lot of stuff going around, and I would encourage you, uh, in your world, in your setting, wherever you serve, wherever you work, wherever you're spending most of your days, be a light. Because the God that you're serving and the Christ that gave his life, he is greater. And he is above, and he is through and in and higher than all other things. And you can go with confidence knowing that he is your strength, that he is your source, and that he's called you to be and to do what he's going to put you in place to do. So go and do it this week. So I'm going to ask you to extend your hands just like you will your dinner plate in a moment and receive the blessing of the Lord tonight. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may his face shine upon you and his faithfulness endure in your life and your heart. And may this week the presence of the Holy Spirit come on you in a way that you would see and understand the Word of God new and fresh and be able to respond to His presence like never before. I pray that you would go and be the army of God, that you would go and be the people of God, the comfort of God, the Spirit of God, and the truth of God to a world that craves the love of the Father. Go in peace. Have a great night. We love you. Let's go eat dinner.